It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. God bless you today. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. For his promises. We need to test and approve what his will is. And so open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. As I was thinking about Mother's Day, I was thinking about uh, all the many different mothers that are mentioned in the Bible and some tasks that they had. And um, I narrowed it down since last week we, we kind of finished with a little talk about Moses and, and what was happening in his life. And so I was thinking about his mom. Can you imagine that there would be a decree that would come from, let's say, the president of the United States or from the government that we lived in, uh, that, that's over us, that uh, all the children, the, all the male children would have to be aborted, could not, could not uh, live, would not be allowed to live, only the girls. Well, that's exactly what Pharaoh had done. It's, the Bible tells us there in Exodus, as it starts out in chapter 1, that uh, Pharaoh kind of looked around and said, whoa, wait a minute. These uh, Hebrews that have come down here, uh, they've multiplied. They're more than we are. They've overpopulated us. And so he uh, began to put burdens on them for their work and uh, to try to hinder them. And, and then he told all the midwives, any time that a male child is born, you know, throw him into the river and uh, only let the girls live. That seems so strange you know, when we, when we read it just on page, but I want you to really think about that. Can you imagine trying to uh, be a mom in that particular type of a situation? Moses was born, and so uh, it's, uh, it says that his mother recognized uh, that he was special. There was something about him, and so she hid him. Join with me in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Exodus. It says, uh, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. I don't know if he would have been an ugly child that she wouldn't have. No, I'm just, (laughs) I was thinking, man, I wouldn't have had a chance if that would have been me if I was Moses. Really, what it means there in in the, throughout the the original text is that he he was special. There was something about him that, that she recognized that God was doing. And so it says, and when she saw him, that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Verse 5, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews, uh, Hebrews' children. Then his sister, Moses' sister, said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for, for, uh, from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called a child's mother, uh, actually got Moses' mother, and um, verse 9, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's uh, daughter, and he became her son. So he, uh, so she called his name Moses, saying, "Because I drew him out of the water." That's pretty amazing, you know, how this all works. That God ordained this, and it's interesting. I think that that uh, when uh, she takes uh, when. Moses' sister takes him back to his mom. Then, then his mom gets paid for taking care of him for a while. God works everything out. You know, Moses' name means drawn out. Uh, the Lord, uh, so, you know, he's going to draw this out. When Pharaoh's daughter reached into the water there, into the, into the river, the Nile River, she thought she was pulling out a baby, but she was really pulling out a deliverer. But she didn't know that. She didn't realize that he was a deliverer. Neither did Moses' mom at that time. Nobody realized that he was a deliverer except for God. And she pulled him out. And so in Moses' life, what was happening was that, first of all, he was protected in the womb. And then God drew him out. And then he was protected in the house. He 
was hidden in that house for three months. And then God drew him out to the river. And so then he's in the river and he's protected by this little basket. And then he's drawn out again. Pharaoh's daughter draws him out uh, to, for his purpose. And then he goes in, back into his, his home, his mother's home to be raised. And, and then he, God draws him out of there again to put him into the palace. And so he's in the palace then for uh, uh, 40 years, or, you know, up to almost 40 years. And then he, he begins to have other experiences. And I want us just to follow along here in Moses' life. And I believe that we're going to see that the best is yet to come. See, and, and when his mother uh, had, you know, gave birth to Moses, I mean, it was a bleak time. It was a difficult time. It was, you know, all the boys were being killed. And, and uh, so, you know, she had to look and think, man, this is a horrible world to be born into. And she might have been thinking, there's no good that can come out of this. But she didn't know that the best was yet to come. She needed to know that. And so, uh, you know, as God begins to draw things out and dr begin to draw Moses out, uh, one thing that was happening was is that the best was yet to come. Every time something happened and God drew him out, then something better happened to him. I want to tell you today that I believe that if you're here, if you're still on this earth, you're breathing and you're alive, then there's something important of importance down inside of you that God wants to draw out. If not, you wouldn't be here. So you're still left here, and it's not by accident, but you're here so that God can draw something out of you. And I want to tell you today that the best is yet to come. You might be in it. Amen. You might be going through a difficult time. You might be having a lot of challenges, and you might be wondering, you know, could, could anything good happen out of this? But the best is yet to come. And uh, so I want us to look at these, some principles that we can learn from Moses' life here. The first thing that you need to get into your spirit is don't despise small things. Now, the Bible tells us that in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, not to despise small beginnings. But sometimes we do that because we're expecting something. We're praying for something big. And when something small comes along, we don't recognize it. Moses' mother and all of the nation had been praying for a deliverer. Praying for a deliverer. That's what they were looking for. And when the baby, this little baby comes along, they didn't see a deliverer. They were praying for a deliverer, not a baby. They missed it. You know, uh, when it's like uh, they, the, the saying that talks about um, great things come from small beginnings, talking about oak trees. You know, if you need an oak tree, God sends you an acorn. <laughs> if, if the same way, when they needed to deliver, he sent a baby. That's why people, the, uh, when Jesus was born, they missed who he was because they were looking for another deliverer, a savior, a messiah, and God sent a baby. So be careful not to despise the small things. There's something that's in your life right now that you might not be recognizing its importance or its significance because you've been praying for something great and God brought something small, but he wants to make something uh, bigger out of that as he draws it out of that so that the best is yet to come. It's going to, the bigger thing, the greater thing is going to be there. You know, things don't always look like what we ask for. And that's something that we have to learn. I think that to, as we mature in the Lord and we're praying and we're praying for things that as I look back over my life, I can see now what, how God moved and things don't always look like what we're praying for when they come along. So we have to be careful and not despise those things. That's why we need to really be walking in the Spirit and, and asking God to give us really a wisdom and understanding to catch the things as he sends to us. Um, again, they've been praying for a deliverer. Here comes a baby. And, uh, you know, Elijah, he was praying for rain. He was praying for rain, and he sent his servant to look. No, there wasn't anything. Seven times, and finally, he was praying for rain, and God sent a little tiny cloud the size of a man's hand. You know, he needed a lot of rain, you know, and, and so most of people would have missed it by seeing just a small cloud. They would have looked right past that small cloud because they were expecting a big, huge storm. They needed some rain. But Elijah, by faith, says, go tell the king that it's about to rain. You better get ready. It's about to rain. People, we've got to be sensitive to what God's doing and not miss the small things that come that God's going to make into the... Amen. You know, he was needed to feed the multitude. There was 5,000 men not to, not to even count the women and children. And so what did God, they needed food. They needed food. They needed a lot of food. And what did God do? He sent one small boy with one small lunch, two, <laughs> five loaves and two fish. But he turned that in and he fed the multitude. We could go through the word and see how that God takes the little things and he meets the needs of the great things. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter really where we start. You know, you, they start with the baby and sometimes we're nah, I don't have time for all this. I, I need this now. Isn't that the way it always is in our life? You know, we're under pressure and we need to deliver and we need him now. <laughs> 
so we end up missing the small things. And so we've got to be careful. It doesn't matter where you start. What matters is where you finish. Because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come down there, and that's where we're going to finish. It doesn't matter where you start. It just matters where you finish. Mighty oaks come from those little acorns that you plant. And that's the whole thing. It's, it's how it ends up. You know, we don't know. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, It doth not yet appear what you shall be, but, uh, you know, we shall be like him. When we see him, we shall be like him. So, you know what? Uh, the devil can re recognize us more greatness in you and me than what we do. We, we overlook what God has put in us because that's not what we're wanting something over here. Maybe we see somebody else that's doing this or something for the Lord or in some business or, or whatever. Uh, you know, they, they've done this and they've accomplished all that. And that's what we're praying for. And we miss looking down inside of what God's put in us and allowing him to make that great. What talent, what ability, what desires, what drives, what, what uh, motives do we have or, or, or dreams do we have? And so sometimes, you know, it just comes as a small dream, but yet we're looking over here at this big thing. That's where we want to go because we want, want somebody else's success or, or whatever. Uh, you know, look down inside and see what God's put inside of you and allow him to cultivate that and let that grow because what? The best is yet to come, amen? Y'all will get that here in a minute, amen? <laughs> you know, um, what's in you might be small right now, but I want to tell you something, it's growing, and God wants to draw it out. So don't despise that. You know, you might say, well, you know, other people can do this, but, you know, I can't because, you know, and begin to look at your limitations. Well, you take those limitations as you look at them and you bring them before the Lord and you put them into to the master's hand. Let him lift them up and bless it and let him make that to be the greater thing that meets the needs of, that's present. You know, Satan, in this thing, when it comes with small things, Satan comes, Jesus told us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and more abundantly. So Satan comes in to destroy, to steal, to destroy, to suppress the greatness inside of you. That's what I said that, you know, and, and he does it while we are still small, so to speak, in, in our, before we've stepped into the fullness maybe of this vision or this dream that God's given to us. Again, you know, in that time when Moses was born, Pharaoh had issued this decree that all male ch uh, children were to be killed. Satan wants to destroy, you know, your, your, the, your dream, your vision, your purpose, your destiny. He wants to destroy it in its infant state. And so we have to be careful about that and protect it. A lot of times, you know, we'll bargain at the table of Satan because we're wanting something big over here and we're not really valuing what God has put within inside of us. Be careful because Satan will steal the greatness out of your heart, try to take it away. But he's a liar and, a, and the father of lies. See, he's afraid of the greatness that's inside of you. So there's something there. You might not see it yet, but you know what? You, that's where you need to continue to trust the Lord and, and say, Lord, draw it out of me. Everybody say, draw it out of me. Say, Lord, draw it out of me. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. You know, again, he, Satan knows that God assigns greatness to us. You were created uh, to, for success, and you were designed for greatness. And Satan recognizes that. He knows that. The thing is, we don't recognize it. So we have to be very careful that we don't overlook the, the birth of the deliverer, so to speak, that we don't overlook the greatness that God's put within us. We've got to go back and say, okay, if, if there's a desire, there's a dream, there's a vision here somewhere, then I got to trust God that he's going to bring it out. I started to preach this message since it was uh, the best is yet to come. I was thinking about Joseph and his life. And God, uh, early in Joseph's life, began to give him dreams. And he saw things that he would be doing and various other things. But, you know, that didn't happen. There was a time of, uh, you know, when he was thrown into to the pit. And then he was in, in slavery. And then he was in prison and all these things. But yet he still knew something was inside of him. But he had to interpret the dreams of other people before his dreams could be interpreted. But, you know, he kept thinking that the best is yet to come. When he was in that pit, you know, he, uh, you know it didn't seem like it was very uh, going to be a good thing when they took him out of there and then uh, sold him into slavery and, and went on. That didn't look like the, the best was yet to come, but he had to get to Egypt. And when he was thrown into prison, that didn't look like that there was anything good going to come out of that, but God says the best is yet to come. And so he kept moving till Joseph became second only to Pharaoh in, the whole, in all of Egypt. 
So you see, we've got to be careful because Satan knows that there's greatness in us and he will try to suppress it or destroy it or to keep us from accepting it. But we can't get, <clears throat> I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but you know, I think some of you have thrown away your dreams. I think sometimes we just throw them out because we think, well, you know, it should have already happened and it hadn't happened yet. So you know what, what's the use in even, even thinking about that anymore? Come on, Moses was 40 years old before he even, you know, came out of the Pharaoh University <laughs> to go into the Wilderness University to learn some more. It's never too late. Look at Caleb. You know, uh, <clears throat> when Joshua said to him after 40 more years, and now he's 80 years old, he says, hey, there's that mountain that you were wanting. Do you still think you can have it? He says, I'm well able to take that mountain at 80 years old. Amen. Moses didn't really even get started until he was 80 to lead him out. So people, I want to tell you something. Never give up on yourself. <laughs> Never give up on what God's put down inside of you. Satan seeks to destroy the greatness that's inside of you while it's still small, before it's really recognized, before we really recognize, it, recognize its potential. You know, think about sometimes this NFL draft we've come through, and, and here's these coaches and these, uh, you know, these teams, and they're looking, they're trying to find the player that they need, and it's hard to tell. That talent's just barely, it's being exposed some, but it's kind of hard to read that because a lot of times, like a quarterback, they might look good in their college field, but when they get into the NFL, it's a whole different game, and so sometimes they don't really recognize it. And I heard them talking about some of these, uh, these great quarterbacks that are out right now that they didn't really come out of the draft at top pick, number one draft pick. But what they saw was that in the midst of the pressure, when they had to step in and when it was their time to be exposed, they responded with greatness. And they continued to just get better and better and better. Let me tell you something. Never give up because at the right time, God will bring that out. And when you respond, then you will respond with greatness where he's called you to. Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But you want to tell you something, you're still here. <laughs> Satan tries to destroy it. He tries to come and steal, kill, and to destroy what God has put in you. But say, I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. When I lay in, in, in uh, CCU with a respirator down my mouth, finally gained consciousness. And the first thing that I was trying to say that was coming out of my mouth, but it really wasn't coming out of my mouth. It was coming out of my spirit. It was, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Satan doesn't like it. He will tell my mom if she was here today uh, on Mother's Day, she would tell you how many times that she had to, you know, she prayed me through different things that the devil tried to kill me before I was born. Uh, she was in a car accident, rolled the that car down a mountain, and the doctor said that there's no way that she should have that that the baby should have lived out of that whole ordeal. Uh, but hey. I'm still here. <laughs> you know, and time after time, various things that have happened throughout my life. Uh, but I want to say, I want to tell you something. I'm still here. And that's what you need to say is, I'm still here. I'm still here. Draw it out of me, God. Draw it out of me, Lord. You know, because the best is yet to come. No weapon that's formed against you can prosper. And all those that rise up against you shall fall. They can't, they can't uh, rise against you. There's greatness within you. And when you trust the Lord in that, and when you give yourself wholly to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it. I can't see it right now, but I'm going to trust you. I believe that you're going to draw it out of me. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, um, Lord, you know, pl plant me in the ground if necessary. Rain on me if necessary. You know, do whatever is necessary. Cultivate me. And, uh, but I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that you've got something for me. The thing is, is that the way we got to do that is we've got to get a vision. We have to get a vision for greatness. Uh, we've got to see it. And, you know, you've got to be it before anybody ever sees it in you. You know what I'm saying? It, you've got to, to, to go after it, whatever that it is in your life, your greatness, your destiny, your purpose. You've got to see it. You've got to have a vision for it. And you have to pursue it before anybody else comes around and begins to then say, oh, look at what's happening or look what's going on there. Look at the greatness in their life. You've got to have a vision for it before anybody else will. And so you've got, you know, it's like you've got to see the mighty oak coming from the little acorn before it ever comes to pass. Amen. So you've got to have a vision for that. You need to know what you have down inside of you. And so that takes coming before the Lord. It takes understanding how he's designed you. What makes you tick? And we talked about that last week. If you didn't hear that message, get that. Go to the podcast and listen to that, that part of that, of how God you know, mixes us together and 
molds us and makes us into who he wants us to be. But something awesome is inside of you today. The Lord wanted me to tell you that something awesome is inside of you today. Something great is in there. God wants to move supernaturally in each one of your lives today. Uh, You know, it's like Moses, to be drawn out. God wants to draw it out of you. And so God ordained a great man inside of that little baby. (laughs) He ordained that great purpose and destiny inside that little baby. And every time that uh, they called his name, what does his name mean? Drawn out. Draw it out. And every time they said Moses, they were saying, Let it draw, draw it out, draw it out. And so everybody was kind of together. They were prophesying, oh, draw it out, draw it out. You know, we need to let, let the angels that God sends to minister us help to draw it out. Let the circumstances around us draw us out. Let those things that Satan sends against us to harm us, let it draw it out of us. Amen. <laughs> Come on, I, I might just preach to the drums here for a second. <laughs> and, and, and Hey, you know, let it come out of you. Don't give up on it. You need to surround your pe- yourself with people that will help to encourage you and coax those things out of you rather than somebody that's putting you down. Somebody that's telling you that you can't and that you never will and you never have or all this stuff. You don't need that. They don't need to be around. You don't need to be hanging out with them type of people. The Bible says corrupt communication uh, spoils good character, right? And so don't let, let your life be consumed by people that's going to pull you down and tell you what you can't do. You need to be around people that can tell you what you can do. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Encouraging you to reach higher, go farther, you know, stress, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Amen? You know, Sometimes people aren't helping you at all. They're hurting you, you know, and, and you can't uh, let those things pull you down. And, and some of you are here today, and you've been going through some situations and circumstances, and don't let that thing kill that dream within you. Don't let that destroy uh, what's inside of you. Moms today, you've been praying for children, and, and you don't, it looks like things are getting worse before they get better. Don't let the devil put you down. Pray harder. Pray harder. Pray harder. Hallelujah. Don't let the circumstances destroy you. You know, you can't let people uh, intimidate you and push down what God has inside of you. You need to be reminded every day, just as Moses would hear his name drawn out. You need to be reminded every day that uh, there is something down inside of you, something within you that's more important than the circumstances that are around you. Amen? Like I said a while ago, you have to be it before anybody calls you. It calls you it, if that makes any sense. You got to start being it. You have to start, you know, letting that happen. <laughs> I used to preach with a mop in my hand <laughs> in the church, you know, helping clean the, the toilets. And, and, you know, I thought, I don't, think, I don't think I'm called to preach. Nobody's ever told me I'm called to preach, but boy, I feel preach inside of me. I'll just be speaking in tongue with a, with a you know, cleaning the toilet out or, or building something in the church. And, and, and I be, started being it before I ever became it, you know. Pharaoh's daughter, as I said, she didn't just draw out a baby out of that water or that river. She grabbed a hold of a deliverer, (laughs) and she didn't really realize it. But I want to tell you something. God knows it, and the best is yet to come. You know, and you don't have to be born in prime circumstances for things to come about. You know, well, if only this would have happened. Well, if only, you know, my parents would have had this, or if I had had that when I was younger, or if this would have happened or that would have happened. Nah, look at Moses. He wasn't born in prime circumstances. He was on the hit list. I mean, you know, this was bad time to be born into. Nobody's supposed to, to, to you know, succeed in that. But the way I look at it is, hey, I don't have any competition. Everybody else my age been killed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm number one, you know, you know, I mean, you can, I'm number one. Well, you sure are, you know, hallelujah. Uh, but you don't have to be born into prime circumstances uh, to do great things because God is the one that works it through you. Amen. In the 22nd verse there of Exodus chapter one, verse 22, it says, so Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. You know, so there wasn't good times. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best of times to do what Moses was supposed to do, but greatness was down inside of him, and God doesn't need to have good circumstances to do great things. Amen. You know, he calms storms, he parts seas, he he slays giants, whatever is necessary, and he doesn't have to have everything to be, you know, just perfect before he moves. In fact, it, the more chaotic it is, the more the miracle appears, amen? The darker the, the night, the brighter the light that shines out. So let God work in it. 
your enemy is only defining that greatness that God's put inside of you. Did you hear that today? When the enemy hits you, just say, well, wait a minute. Instead of saying, why are you doing this to me, God? You need to turn around and say, you know, why the devil so interested in me? Hmm, wonder why he's so interested in me. And so, and so if you see a certain way he's attacking, then you might say, hey, you know what? Hey, I must have an ace up my sleeve or something. I got something here that he wants, you know, and begin to discover that he's defining the greatness that's inside of you. Hallelujah. The best is yet to come. Amen. You know, so, you know, most of the times when we're attacked, we just, uh, it's when we're the most vulnerable, just like, you know, the little, the little baby being thrown into the river or something like that. And so those things, though, uh, help define that greatness, as I said a while ago. So be careful and, and stay in, 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 under the protection of God and his umbrella. He'll work his greatness in you and through you. Well, um, Here's, here's something I think that, uh, that I jotted down to remember. It's where you are, it, it's, it's, uh, you, have to go th- you have to go through it, not because of where you are, but because of where you're going. When Satan brings that trial, that tribulation, when he's hitting you, you go through it, not because of where you are, but where you're heading, because he wants to stop you here before you ever get there. He wanted to kill the babies before they ever became, you know, deliverers. And so what's happening now is it's not because of not so much of where you are right now, but where you're going to be. So you ought to get excited and rejoice. And when it begins to be really hot and heavy, you just shout out and say, the best is yet to come. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we need to be careful and uh, that we don't lose confidence in ourselves and that we settle for less. I think that that's what has, more people have stepped off the race course because of that. Paul told the Galatians, he said, you were running a great race. Who cut in on you that you should so soon be shaken? You know, so be careful not to surrender your greatness or just settle for, for less when you're being attacked and being, being hit. It's always an easier way to go than to go this particular way that God's drawing you. So be careful. And the second thing that we can learn from, I think, this story of, of Moses is the journey from obscurity to notoriety. In verse ch- uh, 3 of the second chapter, uh, the, kind of the second part of verse 3, where it says, She took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the, the reeds by the riverbank. I, you know, I remember... Uh, flannel graph stories when I was real little in Sunday school, and it was so such pretty. They take a little basket and put it there by the pretty beautiful little Nile River and set it there, and then the little basket would float down the river. Let me tell you something. I've been to Egypt. I've been on the Nile River. I have been on a boat on the Nile River out of Cairo. It ain't pretty. There's mosquitoes in the reeds, <laughs> and you know how many you know what I'm talking about. And you know what? In that part of the country, just like in Africa, that, that continent, mosquitoes aren't your friend. <laughs> it might be little, but it can bring deadly diseases. They're sitting there. And if you get out of the reeds, there's some, what they call the Nile crocodile. Now, Sam and Sandy was with us when we were in Africa, and we saw some crocodile there. One of them looked like about the size of a truck, about 18 foot. They can get up to 20 feet long. That's about from here to that wall is about 20 foot, and they can get broad, about the, you know, as broad as the, the hood of your car, um, laying, waiting, looking for little baskets floating down the river, if you know what I'm talking about. And there's snakes in that water. And besides that, there's hippopotamus there, hippos. And they're really dangerous. I mean, this is not an easy journey. Are you with me? The journey from obscurity to notoriety is full of crocodiles and hippos and, and all, you know, what are they, what was Winnie the, uh, or they were saying on the road, the little, the yellow brick road, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh no, lions and tigers. I mean, they were out there, you know, they were waiting for this basket to come floating by. Not so much just a gentle journey. It's very dangerous. And uh, a lot of stuff laying right and laying wait there. You know, I've heard it say that there's new devils for new levels. <laughs> New devils for new levels. And, you know, it seems like Satan's always going to send, he sends something else right there. He's still watching for you. Uh, you know, but God's getting ready to take you beyond the normal. Moses had to go, be, I think you missed that, but, you know, Moses was going beyond the normal here, and he's getting ready to go into something that was out here that wasn't so normal for him. It wasn't normal for a Hebrew child to be raised in the courts of Pharaoh. I mean, first of all, you're going to take him into the palace where the guy that issued the decree that I'll all be killed? 
I mean, that ain't normal. But let me tell you something. God's getting ready to take you out of your normal. Into, yeah, come on now. Give him praise for that. Taking you beyond your normal. Say, draw it out of me, Lord. <laughs> draw it out of me, Lord. The best is yet to come. In Exodus, the, the ninth verse there, chapter 2, verse 9. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to, uh, to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. Now, on this journey of, from obscurity to notoriety, it's pretty interesting, I think, that it's amazing how God already gets things planned out. And uh, <clears throat> he, always, he makes provision for all the things that you need, even when you don't know that you need them. And here, Moses' mom is getting paid. She was obedient to do what God told her to do. I'm sure that was kind of a strange thing. She was trying to hide him, but something couldn't do that anymore. Somebody was going to tell you know, and, and report it. You got neighbors like that, right? Or people, people that you work with or something like that. But so she had to get rid of him. And so, you know, she's just following the Lord, not understanding any of this. Abraham had to take his son, his only son, upon this mountain and offer him up as a sacrifice. Really? That ain't normal. God takes you beyond the normal. He's getting ready to take you beyond your normal. Get ready. I don't know if you're getting this or not. I don't know if you're catching this or not, but when God takes you beyond your normal, it, there's uh, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, no. There, there's, there's crocodiles and snakes and hippos. Oh, yeah. It's kind of tough. But God will send provision for the vision. God sends provision for the vision. you got to trust him in that. The greater the vision, the greater the provision. Um, and, you know, the greater this position, Moses is going to have to be this great military leader and commander and leader of, of uh, you know, of a nation? Well, how are you going to learn that if you're making, you know, adobe bricks there with the, in, as a, an Egyptian slave, you know? You got to get him out of the muck and the mire, get him out of the slave market and get him over here into the palace. You got to get him into Pharaoh's university. You know, you can read now about some of the education that the Egyptians had, what they did, and some of the stuff that they did was just amazing. It still confounds the minds of the wise today of some of the wisdom that they had. And God said, I'm going to train you in the best place to be trained. Wow. And you know what? And he paid for it. Pharaoh paid for his education. How about that? How about that? When God told me to go back to school uh, about 10 years after I had been in college and now we got kids and stuff and I'm thinking oh there ain't no way I can do that I'm working all the time here and we got kids and I can't afford it and besides I didn't bother to withdraw the last time I was in school I just kind of quit <laughs> I got a real good job I didn't think about it. you have to go down and withdraw you know what they put this thing called academic suspension on your in that right at least on your records and it stays with you. And so, you know, so then when I was going back, they happened to overlook it until I was already got about a, a semester into this. And they came to tell me I couldn't go to school there. Like, really? Why not? Well, because you're, you, you're on academic suspension. I said, really? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, well, 10 years ago I was. Well, but you won't be able to make it. Why? Because your grades weren't any, any good. I said, well, how about checking out my grades now? I happened to be on the dean. I made the dean's list the time before. And I thought that was a bad thing. They said, you're on the dean's list. Oh, no, I didn't do it. Not me. <laughs> Reminded me of high school, junior high and high school. I was always on the principal's list. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Dean's list. Oh, no, I, it wasn't me. <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> I didn't do it. And so they let me do that, you know. But, hey, but what happened was I thought, how can I pay for this? And all of a sudden, then I happened to get an academic scholarship. Really? After being on academic suspension? That ain't normal. How about that? And so all of a sudden, God began to work it out how... Where I couldn't in my own means, God did it through his means. Hallelujah. He can. He can. He had to raise up a, he a slave, a Hebrew slave, to be able to walk into the palace of Pharaoh and walk up to him and say, let my people go. <laughs> you know, not somebody that had been used to being, having crouched down and had, you know, with the whip against their back and they wouldn't say a word to the taskmaster. We need to have somebody that can go in and stand up to him as a leader and say, let my people go. He trained Moses on, on all the military types of strategies and all everything that he would ever need. God provided it. But it was in that journey from obscurity to, to this other, you know, this, into greatness and to where he needed to be, into notoriety. And God had something going on there. But a lot of times we miss it. So don't be afraid of the dangers or the things that look, the roadblocks and the things that look like it's saying you can't. You just say, okay, God can. I'm going to walk with him. He'll open the doors that I can't open. Hallelujah. 
two of the greatest men that had the most influence in the Word of God that we have today as we read the Word of God was Moses because of the Old Testament and the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. God took this Jew, the Apostle Paul, and put him through, uh, made him a Roman citizen. He became a Roman citizen, was trained not only in that, that culture, but in, with all of the, the, the highest schools and, and the rabbis for the, the, the learning that he needed, the teaching that he needed, the education that he needed along that realm, and they both had tremendous influence. God will take you out of the normal and take you over here to prepare you. Amen. Get ready. Get ready for You're on your journey. Say, draw me out, Lord. Draw it out, Lord. Draw it out. And then here's one that's really strange. I just put this, being renewed while you wait. Step three, being renewed while you wait. Uh, verse 10 of Exodus. Let's look at verse 10 and 11 of Exodus. It says, And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, Pharaoh's daughter's son. She named, uh, named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, what? And you start to read, wait a minute, what happened to those 39 years? <laughs> Excuse me, she, she took the baby to Pharaoh's daughter, verse, verse 10, and, and she named him Moses, drawn out. One day after the child was grown up, excuse me, what happened in the gap? Hmm. You ever go through the gap? You know what the gap is? All those things that, you, that, that you're doing that you don't need to be doing, that God doesn't tell everybody else what you did. <laughs> in the gap, but all those things that happened in the gap was helping to equip you over here when you got ready. God will use the bad for the good. I guess y'all hadn't been through the gap. I don't guess you all hadn't been through the gap, you know, because I was born and I was here, and then one day I became a man. I'm not telling you everything else that happened in between that time. Uh-uh. Danny, have you got a gap in your life? <laughs> Problem is I, can, I saw a little bit of your gap. <laughs> You know, all those people that had influence and all those trials, those tribulations, every cry that you uh, cried, every problem that you faced, everything that you did, every person that came into your life is not a waste. God will use that. All things will work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. What's going on in your gap? God can use those things, the things that God left out of the story. You know, what about Jesus? You know, we see him, we get to have a little insight, and then he's teaching in, the, in the, the temple at 12 years old, and then he's over here getting baptized at, you know, 30. Well, what happened in the gap? I don't know, but, you know, that's things that God decided not to tell everybody about. Are you glad that God doesn't want to tell everybody about all your stuff in your gap? <laughs> Shall we have a gap session? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, because some of that stuff people don't need to know. You know, they don't need to know all that stuff because, you know what, they might kind of say, what now? You see, what happened when, when Moses gets out there and he's trying to be a deliverer, he goes in and he sees this Egyptian beating a Hebrew, this slave, this Hebrew, and so he, gets, he, he handles it, but he kills the Egyptian soldier. You know, it, it ain't right. So then the next day he comes down and he sees, he sees two Hebrews fighting. So he gets in, hey, y'all break it up. You're not supposed to be doing that. And they say, oh, so, oh, yeah, that, who do you think you are? You're going to kill us like you did the Roman soldier or the, the Egyptian soldier? What? Somebody knows something about my gap? <laughs> so now he heads for the, now he's, he's on the most wanted and he has to head to the, to the wilderness. Praise God for the things that God left out of my story. You'll always wonder, but you might not ever know. I share a little bit of it. It's those things that, that they really do cultivate us. But uh, you can't tell anybody about them. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, if, if people knew what went on in the gap of your life, it'd blow their minds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? I mean, think about this. Now, God's preparing him for greatness. I, this ought to comfort somebody. It kind of comforts me a little bit. Because sometimes we think that we have to have everything so perfect because Satan will always bring up your gap. He'll always bring up what happened in the gap to try to convince you not to go on to this next, to verse 11. Come on. And so you know what you say? Hey, wait a minute, devil. 
that's in the gap. <laughs> that's covered. <laughs> it's covered by the blood. It's in the gap, all right? And ain't nobody know about it. You, you don't need to be, I'm not worried about it. God's covering that. He ain't, he don't, he's not publishing it out here anywhere. It's not on Facebook. It's not going out here public. It's in the gap. Some of you need to be careful about what you're putting on your Facebook because that's part of your gap and you're letting everybody know about it. And <laughs> Sometimes God will just close the doors on the issue and say, she's grown now. <laughs> she's all grown up now. <laughs> Praise God. Hello. I don't know. You know, and then you can just come out and say, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> look what the Lord has done. <laughs> yeah. It happens in the gap. It's things that maybe we shouldn't be doing. We don't need to be there. God's still watching. He's helping. He's protecting us. And he's saying, you know what? Yeah, devil, you're bringing that temptation. You're bringing that trial. You're bringing that problem. You're bringing that difficulty. You're bringing that challenge. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll turn it around and I'll work it. I'll draw it out. I'll draw greatness out of it with that. Somebody ought to praise God that he's the God of the gaps. <laughs> Hallelujah. I might just go through the Bible sometime and preach about the gaps. <laughs> but the problem is there's not a lot of content there. You know what I'm saying? Because it goes from here to there. But I think we know what, what he's talking about. God is the God of the in-between places. Hello. <laughs> you know, God, he's the God of the stuff that you can't talk about. Are you glad about that? Somebody ought, man, that ought to set somebody free today, you know? He's the God of the God that we can't talk about. We don't, can't tell people about. You say, Pastor, that ain't right. Aren't you supposed to confess your sins? You know, yes, I confess them before God, and there's things that I might let you, and then I ask you to forgive me about, but there's some things you don't need to know about because you know what? God's already forgiven me. You say, what's in your life? Wouldn't you like to know? It's in the gap. It's in the gap. <laughs> I'm going to get me a pair of Gap jeans and a Gap shirt, and I'm going to wear this. <laughs> I'm covered. My Gap's covered, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? But if you hadn't have gone through all that, then you know what? You wouldn't know him like you know him today. If I hadn't have gone through all that, I would know his grace and his love so good. He can still love me in spite of my Gap. Really, God? You can still love me because of what happened back there? He said, I love you. I love you. And when we give it to him, you know, he just erases it. That's why, he don't, that's why you, nobody knows about the gap, because God's already taken it and erased it. You know? You come to him and you confess your sins to him. You know what he does? He says, as far as the east is from the... That's a pretty big gap now. That's what I'm talking about. It's a pretty big gap. I'm glad that he's the God of the gaps. You know? We would never know him today. We wouldn't know that his grace is sufficient if we hadn't seen him working in some of those things in our life. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of y'all hadn't had some of those times that you're just so grateful that God overlooked it. You know, I bet David wishes that some of that, so that when he looked over Bathsheba and, and then he committed that sin and then sent her husband to be killed, he said, I wish that had been in my gap. <laughs> but God made that known to us. But God's, his love and his grace is so much. His forgiveness extends to us and throughout our gap. You know, I am so thankful that God will give us privacy while we're being cultivated. He can give a little privacy while we're being cultivated because it's not, you know what, because we don't always do it right because we're not perfect. Nobody is perfect. But his grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me. He won't tell anybody about your business. Are you glad about that? It says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you think you've got to talk to somebody, sometimes maybe all you need to talk to, you need to talk to him. Because somebody else might not be able to handle it. I, you say, that, you know, I don't know. That's kind of strange. I don't, is that right? I don't know. Well, it seems right to me. That's what God did there. I mean, he, we come before him, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm so glad that God is the God of the gaps. You know, God doesn't remind me of my gap. It's always Satan that's reminding me of, of the gap in my life. But you know what? God says, no, nah, come on, I'm, I'm, gonna draw, I'm drawing you out, and I'm drawing that out too. You know, he takes that out of us so that we can bring it up, and we count ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Put off the old man, put on the new man, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because, you know, all through that, that gap, Here's the thing, God had a plan for you all throughout that time. Aren't you glad for that? 
A plan that all of your life he's had a plan for, you know. And when people were stepping on you and stepping over you, God's still loving you. He's still watching over you. Uh, you know, he had that plan. He was working it. He was drawing greatness out of you. When God raised you up, uh, you know, it, it might look like it just happened overnight. You know, somebody will see you and they might think it just happened overnight. They would say, well, Tim, man, that's awesome. You know, you, you're just uh, really into the Word. You're preaching a good preaching. Man, I heard you teaching that Sunday school class in there. and Man, that's awesome, man. And you say, and they think, that just happened overnight. Oh, I got a gap. <laughs> I got a gap. <laughs> right? I got a gap. <laughs> it don't just happen overnight. You know? But God works all those things through there. People don't know that God has been working in all of your life. Sometimes we don't realize that God's been working in all those areas of your life. Sometimes just sit down and begin to thank him of how good his grace is for you and how much his love is for you in all those difficult times and you know what he might just kind of take you through the gap and say I was right there with you oh yeah I, yeah I saw that I'm right there with you and you know and that's when you look back and oh, that's when I about got killed and because I was out there doing what I shouldn't have been doing but you know he was with us he's God all through our life amen He's been getting us ready for such a time as this. He's been preparing us. He's been wanting to get us to, there's the, the best is yet to come. It's over on the other side of the gap. Hallelujah. Everything that you've gone through was preparing you for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Every night that you suffered, you know, every night that you cried, every person that you met, everything that you learned, every book that you read, every tear that you cried, every lonely time that happened to you, has been getting you ready for such a time as this because the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, not one tear is going to be wasted. Not one pain that, that you went through will be in vain because God will use every bit of that to work greatness in your life. You ought to say, I'm closer now than I was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Man, the best is yet to come. And you got the other side. You got it at verse, verse 11, you know, on the other side of verse 10. Hallelujah. And Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, uh, it says he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at, at, their, uh, at their hard labor. This is Exodus 11b is what the second part. Moses was watching, and then he got this fear of when he began to exercise what he thought he'd been trained, he failed. <laughs> But you know, all through this time, there in Isaiah, as it was 40, verse 31, he says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. We're going to let it all through this time of where we've been going through this, and it's our gap time. You know, we just need to put our expectation in God, and, and he will prepare us to mount up with wings as eagles. The very last thing, and then we've got to pull this thing down, is that the importance of failure. Because after your gap, a lot of times comes failure because we're trying and we're stumbling and because we still got, you know, part of the gap, you know, all over us and, and we're stumbling, but we're heading that particular way. And that's exactly what Moses did when he turned around and the rest, the second part of verse 11 was when he looked and he saw that Egyptian beating the Hebrew and, and he killed the Egyptian. And then, you know, he was trying to get in, in between the two Hebrews and, and they said, you know, they recognized his failure. So he just ran and he hid and he was thinking he was just going to run away from it all. But you know what? God takes our failures and he will work them into our greatness. He turns them into our greatness. You know, when he was out there on the backside of the desert, you know, he couldn't see it. But God was all the time, God was saying, the best is yet to come, Moses. Now, I've got to train you, not so much to be a military leader, but I've got to teach you how to, to lead my people like a shepherd leads the flock. I've got to teach you some tenderness. I've got to teach you some humbleness, man. I've got to pull you down off of your, the, the, your, out of the palace. I drew you out of the palace and put you here in the wilderness now so that I can teach you some things about how to be a humble leader and, and how to recognize me first and that it's not all in your own strength. It's not by might nor power, but by my spirit says the Lord. And Moses had to recognize to hear that voice coming from the, the bush that was burning, that he had to recognize God to be able to take off his sandals and stand on holy ground. He was going into another level there, something higher than what no, no Egyptian could teach him. There wasn't, he couldn't learn that there, but he had to learn something now from God. And so his failures put him in a position of humility where he turned to God and God worked something in his life. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this or not. 
Hallelujah. Somebody might be listening to this podcast and they might be in prison. They might have gone through some failures and think, you know, I nothing that God can do with do for me or do with me now. Oh yeah, well, Joseph, he did quite a bit and he was and he was refined in prison. Samson, he was uh, he was chastened in prison. Uh, Jeremiah he was sustained in prison. Uh, John the Baptist, he was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Uh, Paul, uh, well, there was Peter. Peter was miraculously released from prison. Paul was thrown into prison as well, and he triumphed in prison, wrote some of the greatest letters that he wrote. Jesus, you know, it talks about he was falsely accused. And then after, he says that he went and preached to those held captive in the prisons there of the underworld. I want to tell you something. The devil's a liar, and if you're listening to this and you feel like that, that you don't, that maybe it's all over, I want to tell you that God's a God of the second chances. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Your failure just sets you up for another chance because God came back and where Moses had failed and he failed miserably and now he's there and he thinks there's nothing left for me now. And now he's 80 years old and God says, hey, I just want to tell you something. Hey, Moses. What? Moses. <laughs> drawing you out instead of calling Moses. That means drawing you out. I got something else. I'm drawing out of you, Moses. And he looks over and here's this bush that's burning, this fire. And God's a God of the second chances. I don't know if anybody in here needs a second chance or not, but God's a God of the second chance. The best is yet to come, people. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on God because he's got a whole lot more coming. Let's pray this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I, I it said there where you called Moses you said that you were sending him to Pharaoh to bring your people out and he said who am I who am I who am I father there might be somebody sitting in this room today that, who am I to have that kind of to even dream about that kind of business who am I God I thank you that you're the God of the second chance that the best is yet to come today in his presence. I want you to see your dream. I want you to see what, what really matters. <laughs> he ought to really matter. And what's, what roles has he placed you in? You might be saying, God, just draw, draw it out of me. Make me the father that you want me to be. Draw it out of me, Lord. Make me the mother that you want me to be. Draw it out of me, Lord. Make me the businessman or, or businesswoman that, that you want me to be, Lord. Draw it out of me. Make me the worshiper that you want me to be. <laughs> Make me the teacher that you want me to be. Make me the kind of witness that you want me to be. Draw it out of me, Lord. Draw it out of me, Lord. Just tell him, that, just, you tell him, Lord, draw it out of me. Draw out that greatness that's down in there. Draw it out of me, Lord. Bring it up, Lord. Thank you for watching over me in my journey from obscurity to notoriety. Thank you for protecting me from all of those things around. Thank you for in my gap time that you come with forgiveness and you, you bring about forgiveness and, and, and healing and restoration. And thank you for all in all of my failures that you give me a second chance. Now draw it out of me, God. Here I am, God. Not who am I, but how about a here I am I. Draw it out of me, Lord. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Some of you are coming out of the gap right now. The best is yet to come. Some of you need, to, you've been sitting in the gap way too long. You've been sitting in obscurity way too long. God's drawing you out. The best is yet to come. It's time to go to a new level. The best is yet to come. It's time to go to a new level. I think God's rocking some boats. He's shaking some things loose. And he's saying, come on. With faith and confidence, come on, I'll take you to that next level. Say, draw it out of me, Lord. Draw it out of me. Draw it out. You might not be able to see it all. You might not be able to think how it could ever happen. How could God use a Hebrew slave to be, to form a whole new nation? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Now, what is it that you need to present to the Lord? What do you need to lay aside today? Lay aside some things. You might want to thank him that he's watched over you through your gap. And that that's private between you and him. But that you're going to see that not going to let the devil use that against you. But you're going to say, you know what, that's made me now to be the person that I am. It's worked some humility in me. It's worked some things in me that, that's going to cause me to be better now on this level. Say, Lord, just draw it out of me. 
by faith, I want you to just reach out. You, you might not be able to see it complete yet, but don't lose sight of the vision. Don't lose sight of the vision. Let God draw you up to that next level. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, man, God's working on some people in here this morning. He's doing it this morning. I believe this is a word from the Lord that says the best is yet to come. Your best is yet to come. You haven't seen the good time yet. We talk about the good old days. You haven't seen good old days. You haven't seen the best is yet to come. What's happened to you has just been making you into who he wants you to be. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just take the hand of the person next to you this morning? Let's just pray together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Coming out of the gap. Coming out of that lonely area. Coming out of those things. God's got better ahead. Father, in Jesus' name, we stand here before you today and we thank you, God, for the things that in our life. Where we, the things we blamed you for, we see that those things that you allow those things to work in us and you're make, you've, you're, you've made us to where we are right now. You've made us into the person that we need to be. You can, that what's in us right now is sufficient to take us to that next level. Lord, we want to present ourselves that you draw it out and draw us up to that next level. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray for the person on our left hand that you would just encourage them. We encourage them, Father, we, that they know that they're not alone, that, 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 that uh, they're part of the body of Christ and that there's greatness that flows through them, that they were designed uh, for uh, success and engineered for greatness and, and it's within them. And Father, we bless them right now and we call greatness to come from them right now in Jesus' name. Father, for the person on our right hand, you strengthen, encourage, and bless. Undergird them, raise them up. Father, they're coming up out of this thing. They're coming up out of this thing. The best is yet to come. Draw them up to that next level. They're not alone. They're not alone. Now, Father, we thank you for that. Now, just release that hand right now. I want you just to put your hands up to the Lord and say, Father, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I don't feel... Like I'm qualified for the task that you set before me, but I'm going to trust in you. You'll provide everything I need. You'll provide everything that I need. I'm trusting you. As we are just here in, in prayer and our, our heads are bowed before the Lord, let me ask you, do you know for sure today that you are a child of God? Do you know that, hey, the next thing, the best is yet to come. One day we're going to leave this earth and we're going to step into heaven. Hallelujah. I mean, we always got something better to look forward to. But if you don't have that assurance and your heart doesn't just, it doesn't leap and just be so thrilled when I mention heaven, leaving this earth and, and going to heaven, if you feel worried and fear and question marks and that you're not sure if you're going to make it, you don't need to leave this place today feeling like that because there's something better and the best is yet to come. And his name is Jesus and he died to save you. And he wants a personal relationship with you. Not just you knowing about him, like you might know about the president, but you never met him and you don't have a personal relationship with him. He wants to be with you. He's your savior. If you're not sure today, just raise your hand wherever you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure today that I'm a child of God. Just hold your hand up. Amen. Now, Father, right now, we thank you that you are the one that has a plan for us all of our life. If you've been stumbling around and wandering around in your gap and you say, you know what, it's time for me to step out of this thing and stick to a new level. Why don't you tell the Lord today, Lord, I'm, I'm coming into a new level of another closeness with you, a closer walk with you, closer than I've ever had before, closer than I've ever had before. Lord, that's me. I'm stepping up. I'm stepping up. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your blessings to rest upon your people. Father, I thank you that when we, sometimes we come out of the gap, if there's bodies that need to be healed, that there's healing that's there. Finances will be provided. You're our provider. When we follow your principles, your principles work for us. Father, I thank you for relationships being restored and renewed and new relationships, Father creating new relationships, new pathways. Father, I thank you for new skill sets that you can give to people that might even need to just change career paths completely. You can do that. New skill set for this new level. 
Father, I thank you for opening doors right now. I thank you, Father, for your blessings coming about. I thank you, Father, that there are some, some people in here that you're going to take to the next level in the, in the business realm, Father, that's just going to blow their mind. They never realize that they could ever take that step into that level. Father, they, that's where you want them, and you want them to be light there to dispel darkness from that area. Father, I thank you for... Uh, for blessing today, for blessing your people. And Father, as we go, we want to realize that we're blessed beyond the curse. Especially again today, Father, we just want to thank you for mothers and thank you for our moms and, and thank you for those that have come in and, and been moms in our life. And, and when our mom was gone, maybe you had some stepmoms that you put in into our pathway. And we want to thank you for the people that you put into our life to be mom. And Father, that you bless them back if they're still if they're still here on this earth. Father, that you would just bless them and and give them a, an assurance that that uh, that they've done a good job of working in our lives. So, Father, we just thank you today, and we thank you for being a, a part of this church. And Lord, we thank you that you're taking this church to the next level as well. I thank you for revival that's coming. I thank you, Father, for the next level that that's going to begin to occur out of this church and this ministry. We give you thanks for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.